Hello and welcome to the Audio Dev Hangout. My name's Andrew Hind and today I'm joined by Evan Fitch from Flying Pig Games. Hi, Evan. Hello, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Very Absolutely. grateful to be here. Absolute pleasure. Um, could you just start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, how you got into game dev, what you're making at the moment, and anything else that might be just relevant to put you into context? Yeah, of course. So I've got a bit of an interesting history when it comes to uh, being an indie dev. Um, so I actually was a truck driver. Uh, and before that, I was a district manager. So before that, my job was I was in charge of 40 something stores and my job was essentially just to make sure everybody was doing their job and you know sales were done and managers were hired yep. and fired and trained and things like that um i was only doing sales and did sales for a long time because um i'm good with words and okay. in school all my teachers always gave me trouble for it but always told me i'd be a great salesman so i went to that and but it's not really what i wanted to do uh i don't i'm not huge on selling things to people um so i went into truck driving because what i've always wanted to do which is kind of funny you know some people want to be astronauts, cops or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. be, I wanted to be a truck driver. That's oh, what my dad did. Lorries. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, my, my dad was like my, my hero. You know, I always saw my dad as, you know, the person who could solve all my problems and he was the man and he took care of the family. And so for me, you know, there was a lot of emotion and kind of nostalgia behind that. Um, so for me, it was a big dream and, and I did it. And um, about eight months ago, I had a really bad accident at work. Um, so I was a heavy machine hauler. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, haul big tractors and stuff on my trailer. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I drove a truck and trailer and I had uh, big machines on it. So uh, one day I was loading a machine up onto my trailer and the way our trailers work is they tilt up um, yes. so you can put machines up onto them. Yeah. Um, now what happens is you have a control box. You don't, you don't hang out in the machine because if it comes crashing down, you're going to die. Yeah. So we hold a control box that's connected by a cable and then allows us to drive the machine up and down the, yeah. the deck. So we go up the deck and then we drive it up to us, right? Obviously, because you stand below it, it's going to come mm-hmm. crashing down on you. So what happens is when you put that joystick back to neutral, it's supposed to lock all the brakes on it. Um, and you test that. You put it up, you know, you, you make sure the, the brakes lock. Yep. And then you put a, a chain on it to make, you know, it's for safety. You make sure it doesn't come crashing down if, yep. if something happens. Well, I tested the brakes. I went to go put a chain on it. And the brakes failed. It's like literally worst case scenario. Like the brakes work and then they, then they fail. That means yeah. they, there's a switch on them that disengaged. Um, so when I went to go put a chain on it, that happened. And because I was holding the control box in my hand, it was, mm-hmm. it's instant, right? The thing weighs, you know, yeah, 30,000 yeah, yeah. pounds. Yeah. Yeah. It comes flying off the side of the trailer. So it didn't go straight down, right? It's on a tiny bit of an angle. So it goes right. off the side of the, off the side of the trailer. Well, cause I was holding on the joystick box. It took me with it and it just, you know, whipped me off. And, um, I landed straight on my leg and it just exploded all the bones in my leg. Um, so wow. unfortunately the downside to it is, you know, I'll never walk again properly. Yeah. Um, I've been in physical rehab now for eight months. Um, and there isn't much more that I'm going to get at. So I'll probably always, you know, walk with a limp. Um, you know, I'll always have some kind of disability with me. Um, obviously a lot of negativity towards that, but you know, I've been able to turn it into a lot of positivity. Yeah. Um, so long, you know, long story to bring that into why I became an indie dev. Um, so, I've done game development as a hobby for you know, the last 20 years. It was kind of always my escape from, you know, just a, a, a pretty crappy childhood. Um, it was always my escape where I could tell my stories and I've always had this big artistic part of me, right. but everybody always telling me I needed to do the realistic things like sales or, you know, truck driving in a normal <laughs> yes. career, you know, yes. not an art yeah, career. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> everyone always, you know, told me to go into um, something different. And, you know, I've always wanted to be a game developer, but I've always wanted to do, um, but I had no idea for a game that people wanted to play literally no idea so i hurt myself on september 28th i had to wait a week and then i got surgery um and then for six weeks after that it was pure hell um i couldn't sleep i couldn't eat um my injury was so bad like it you know i won't go into the gruesome details but it was so bad that there was no level of pain medication they could give me to basically maintain my pain Mm -hmm. so i would sit there morning day and night all day just in constant pain you know you may fall asleep for 10 15 minutes and you're just back up again hating life. Now, during this entire time, um, you know, I learned something about people as in like the way people support you during these times. So something I realized that in the first week, everybody cares that you're injured. Mm-hmm. Everybody cares. You yeah. know, you're getting phone calls, messages. Yeah, After that, nice. people go back to their regular <laughs> lives and they don't yeah. really check in anymore. Right. But I'll tell you the one, the one friend that will always stay by you is your animal and your, your dog. So as I laid there in bed, morning, night, and day, it didn't matter. It didn't matter that she had to stay up all night with me. It didn't matter how many times I got up. She never grumpy, growled, anything, just come up and cuddle me. She would just lay with her head on my leg, just looking at me, wow. you know? And this, this resonated so much with me that 
my biggest hero in my life right now, the one that giving me comfort, the one that's helping me every day and it just escape this little approaching darkness that, you know, being the darkest part I've ever been in my life because mm -hmm. you just don't, you've lost your purpose. You've lost everything. Yeah, yeah, you've lost, yeah. you know, and, but I still had this unrelenting support from my dog. She would just sit there with her head on my, on my leg and just stare at me <laughs> and just making sure that I'm okay, that I'm not going to do something crazy. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I wanted to make a game about animal heroes and this solidified it that, that to me, my hero is my dog. And, and, you know, again, that might sound funny, but that's, she saved me through some of the hardest parts of my life. And mm -hmm. that's just how it is. So I wanted to create a game about animal heroes. So I created hero tales. And so I went full trigger. I didn't do it kind of half-assed. I registered my studio as a real business. Mm -hmm. um, I brought on a small team. I learned, mm -hmm. I used to use a program called RPG Maker, which is a pretty amateur right. program. Yes, yes. I don't want to say, in this, I don't mean that in any derogatory way that anybody uses RPG Maker. I say amateur in the form of it's, it's a great starting place right. to learn programming, to learn how to you know, set things up and how, how things interact with each other. And it's a great place to start. But in my mind, if you want to have great commercial success, you need to be on kind of a more modernized engine that allows right. for online play, that allows for yeah. you know, a lot more. So I had to learn a new engine to go to do what I want to do. So I learned Unreal. I spent mm -hmm. a month laying in bed, my yeah. laptop, just learning as much as I could. And so I spent about a month learning and then I started to develop Hero Tales. And I wanted to have a purpose behind what I was doing. I wanted to not just be making a game to make a game. I wanted there to be purpose. Mm -hmm. I wanted to help change the world mm -hmm. as I did it. And again, I'm just one person and I've always wanted to do something for the world and I didn't know how to do it or what just one truck driver, one salesperson could possibly change. And I realized as I went along that I do have some kind of niche for creativity in the sense of I, I can find a way to resonate with people that I can use my, my emotional experiences and things that I've gone through to resonate with people. Um, so I started the change the world campaign and the change the world campaign is it's pretty flat. Just there's no terms and conditions to it. There's no restrictions. Um, we opened up something called our, our supporter bundles on the website. So it's an alternative to using something like Kickstarter or to using some kind of crowdfunding mm -hmm. for now. What it allows me to do is, is get some support for our development and help with the funding of the development. But what we then do is take 25% of that and we put it aside. And 25% is a big chunk of your revenue. Um, but to me, it, it shows my resolve to this, to this cause and how important it is to me. Um, so 25% of those now are getting donated to shelters and rescues all over the world. So we choose a shelter for that month, a rescue, and we're doing our first donation here in June uh, now. Because, you know, we, I don't want to just donate, you know, $50 or $60. Mm -hmm. I want it to be a, a good chunk yeah, of money yeah. to give to them. So next month we'll be doing our, our first donation, hopefully around $500, um, which I think is great for any small, um, small rescuer. I've got personal friends that are doing it, which has been a big motivation as to where that cause would yeah. be. Um, so I've got friends and, you know, that, that run adoptions and run rescues. And, um, so, so my journey to becoming an indie dev, you know, happened from a lot of personal circumstance and kind of being forced into it. Um, and, and now honestly, the way I look at it is breaking my leg happened for a reason because I've never felt as personally satisfied and as creatively satisfied as I do now. Wow. Um, because I've been able to take this really horrible life-changing situation yeah, yes. and, and turn it into good, yes. you know, good for myself, good for my family, and then good for the world. Yes. That is a incredible answer to a very simple question. <laughs> and I think what, what comes across from that for, for me is there's a couple of things. There's, is the, the first thing is often, I think, to do something that you really feel that you need to do in your heart, even if you don't know that you need to do it. Sometimes you need a, a critical situation to occur in your life. I spoke to somebody fairly recently who, who started doing game dev just as, a, um, just, just as lockdown started. He'd lost his job, I think, if I remember rightly, and everything had gone to, you know, everything had gone in the air. And, and that big sort of crisis moment, I think, is quite a common thing for, for, for people. And actually, it's probably quite a common thing in the last few months for people just sort of realizing that actually there's more to life than this. This is the crisis point. I should be doing this. But you have got the most powerful, cohesive why to what you're doing there. 
And they always say you need to have a powerful why, don't they? And, and it's just absolutely rock solid that it's just it's just like you're I can feel I can feel you I can feel the strength of your why as I'm looking through you through the computer screen here it's just absolutely amazingly strong a common phrase I use in 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 any part of my life um when it whether it be when I was training salespeople or just talking to people is I think there always has to be a why Mm. behind the what yeah um I think that you know, you can tell somebody to do something and I, yeah. and I, and this is a great, you know, training tactic. You can tell somebody to do something because the company wants you to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you take an extra 30 seconds to explain why, yes, why so they need to do it, powerful. give them an investment in it. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. We need you to mm-hmm. sell this. <clears throat> well, why be honest with them? I need you to tell us because this is how we make money. Yes. You know, this is how you get paid. This is how, you know, explain why we're doing this. So, you know, and this is, that to me is, is important. And I think that when you go in with a cause like that and you go in with a why, not only does it make it more interesting for people, you know, my story becomes more engaging for people Absolutely. and they're, they're not just becoming invested in, in hero tales or becoming invested in myself and my progress and how I, you know, progress as a person and as a developer and how I, you know, turn my disability and, and what I'm going into, into something else. Like how yeah. do I turn that into a positive thing? Mm. Because I think that, and as you were saying, and I think that especially with the pandemic and the lockdown and people losing their jobs yeah. and families being destroyed in business, I think that you have two options ahead of you. I think that you can let it defeat you mm-hmm. and then you can blame the world mm-hmm. and for that, or you can take that and turn that negativity into a fuel for positivity into the future. And it may take a few months. It may take some time, but if you are actively working on that, actively taking that negativity and actively taking these things that are dragging down your life and going, well, tomorrow they're not going to drag me down mm-hmm. tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. They're going to push me to do better because yes. in a year from now, if you do what you want to do now, or you don't, a year from now is still going to come and you're still either going to be a year from now. You're either going to have done it or you're not. Yeah, that's absolutely awesome. And what's it, my, my sense is that you've made really, really rapid progress. You say you've taken on a team looking at uh, <clears throat> hero tales online. You've got several trailers and things. My sense is that it's grown really, really quickly. You've got a very, mm. a very detailed sense of what it's going to be like. I think I'm getting from the website, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I get the sense it's been an absolute like, it's a hugely, hugely powerful sort of driving force behind you sort of setting this up. And it's been set up incredibly quickly. You said you'd had to learn Unreal. You've, you've been working in RPG Maker before. So you've had to learn a new engine. I know you sounds like you've had some, you've had some previous uh, programming or coding experience, but, but, but what, what's that learning curve been like? I mean, it's clearly <laughs> been absolutely fueled by rocket fuel, but what, what in, in a practical basis, what's it like going from sort of zero to a hundred miles so, an hour that quickly? So for me, it's all or nothing, right? Cause you got to remember yeah. where I'm at. For <laughs> yeah. me, I'm at a place where I hurt myself at work. So I get uh, a disability right yeah. uh you know so i get a certain i get like busy 90 percent of my pay so financially i'm okay like i'm, I'm mm-hmm. okay like i can survive mm-hmm. right so i'm lucky in the sense that i don't got to worry about the financial part of it you know mm-hmm. i don't need to worry about making sales right now i have time mm-hmm. to focus on all the other aspects so the learning has been it's been really funny the unreal was fun it was great i spent all day because it was able to take my mind off the off the injury right yeah so for me it was great i it was like an escapism you know i just learned how to use it and because i had been using rpg maker for so long i already understood coding structure um i do web design and graphic design i've been doing that for so many years okay. so, yep. so to me it all you know clicks together so for me it's almost like um you know this accumulation of all the different things I've done in my life. So, you know, I've done music and I've done graphic art, I've done programming, and I've done storytelling. So, you know, making a game, especially in Unreal, I can use all of those mediums yeah. and all of these and create one art form from yeah, all yeah, of them. Yeah. So the learning style, the hardest, the hardest thing to learn was social media marketing. Okay. It is the number one biggest learning curve. And, and even today I've had three messages and not, no word of a lie, three messages from three different developers asking me what the secret is. Because on my Instagram, we're over 5,000 followers and that happened in two months. Wow. On Twitter, I've been focusing on for three weeks and we're over 500 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, the learning curve was how do you make that happen? And, and where I think a lot of people lack in with when it comes to uh, social media marketing is they don't put the time in. Mm-hmm. Why do companies hire marketers? Because it's a full-time job. Mm-hmm. I took literal weeks out of my development to just focus on marketing. So, so the learning has been intense. It has been the most anxiety inducing thing that you can possibly imagine because every time you post something, you go, everyone is going to hate it. No one is going to like this. And as soon as you don't, you know, as soon as you don't start getting likes right away or, or whatever, you start going, well, 
that's it. I got to quit. That's it. Move into the mountain. You know, no one's ever going to hear from me again. Um, and then, you know, and then that goes away after a while and you start realizing it really doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter how many likes, how many follows, how many you get, what it matters is the quality behind everything. Yeah. Um, so having to learn to like take what I make and then put it online and, and like squash that idea that people aren't going to like it was the hardest learning curve out of anything is how to manage your emotions and manage your expectations. And I realized that once I broke out of that shell of everything needs to be worded perfectly, it has to look like every other one. I've got to sound like, hi, welcome to Walmart. You know, like you got to like put on that like fake, you know, mask. And I realized that once I broke through that and made it, so it's me, it's personal. It's all of a sudden. Authenticity, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, went yeah. out of nowhere and i tell everybody that the most is that be authentic um the learning part was like the fact that you think you're going to post something and people are just going to like it and it doesn't matter if you have no followers you just think it's going to happen and it's not like social media marketing is, is a is a community and you need to treat it like a community and i've said this line to everybody that asked me you need to uh give as much as you take or more and yes. because that's how you grow on a social media site you need to be active. You need to be commenting, following, retweeting. doesn't matter. So for me, my biggest learning curve was that because I have a lot of anxiety. and may come off in some kind of confident manner, but personally, I have a lot of anxiety. So learning of Unreal and learning and all that stuff wasn't so bad because I really, really enjoyed it. Um, dealing with people is a lot harder than yeah. dealing with a program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the programs you know? are logical. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, that's people like- aren't logical. You know, people, and this is the thing, and again, I don't mean to think, but people are lazy. You know, and, yeah. and I'm lazy, everybody's lazy because if I put it, say an Instagram post and I say, go to our, you know, a link is in the bio for this. And it's like, I'm giving you a free this, or, you know, you spend, you know, 25 bucks. I'm giving away $7 mm-hmm. to, to this. If they were able to click right on that post, sure. They would go right into it. But yeah. the fact that they'd have to go to my bio and then yeah, click yeah, on yeah, my yeah, link, it <laughs> doesn't matter if you're the most caring person in the world, you just won't. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's in the way, isn't it? It's another, another obstacle, isn't it? Another thing to yeah. get through. Yeah, I think going back to that, I think the, the, the clue is actually in the thing. It's, it's social media and you do need to be social because I'm learning this as well because I, I as, as you probably know and, and certainly people who've been listening to this, I, I'm, I'm a relatively relatively experienced composer in another field but very new to to writing for games and, mm-hmm. and the whole social media thing is how I'm sort of contacting people and just promoting myself and it's a real learning curve and it is a time thing I'm, I'm learning that you need to do it every single day and you need to be you need to be doing it you know a list of people that you want to just keep in touch on touch with and it just it just takes time and you just have to be I think you, you do have to be just absolutely real and you have to be just yourself because if you're not yourself and you and you try to put a facade up then you know it just doesn't I think it doesn't work you're have you ever right. watched have you ever watched um Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yes. Have you ever watched this guy? Yeah. So yes. he has actually been a huge inspiration for me yes. when it comes to authentic marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and his social media approach is actually what I took and why I grew so quickly. Because mm-hmm. he said it very simple. He said, when was the last time you were positively commenting on other people's posts? Mm-hmm. So the one, the 180 cents principle. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That yeah. The exact one. Have you yeah. given your dollar 80 today? You know, yeah. I, I modified that. So it's yeah. a bit more interactive. Uh-huh. But I started with that foundation. Okay, today top 10 mm-hmm. uh hashtags for my niche mm-hmm. top 10 posts in each one yeah. a positive okay. real comment not a fire emoji not a yeah. smiley face this nothing like that <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I absolutely love the color work here one <laughs> sentence and it doesn't yeah, yeah. matter if you're gaining two three four five followers a day even one follower a day yeah. it's the quality of that follower because they're not the lazy one they're taking mm-hmm. the time to go to your page and hit follow yeah. because they like what you're saying they yes. like who you are and your yeah. content yeah. you don't want you don't want to go just go pay a company to give you a five thousand followers why would you want that you're going to post something and get two likes mm-hmm. right you yeah. want that qual and that's where a lot of i think the developers and a lot of people on it on instagram they forget yes i can that imagine it's not yeah. about the quantity yeah, it is 100 percent about the quality yeah, yeah. and that's the difference between instagram and twitter instagram and I was just talking with um, um, a person that motivated me when I first started Instagram, uh, the accounts Gaydera official. They're making a pretty simple game about raking leaves for the most part, but they have over 5,000 followers. It's not, it's not a super crazy game, but they're, they're the same idea. And then I, I was talking to him about shout outs when I first started, I had less than 100 followers. And he said, when you, when you reach uh, 1,000 followers... I'll shout you out. Well, guess who came back to him in a week and a half? Really? <laughs> That's pretty good going. Because he inspired me. So you're yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. help me. You're not going to help me unless I can help you. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to overpass you. Fair and enough. so now I'm about a week away from overcoming him. 
Yeah, so you know, and and again, I, I don't mean that you just I mean that a way of like that's my mode. You know, th- that's what got yeah, no, me it's, going. it's the drive, isn't it? That's the, what got me going. Is someone yeah, yeah, someone yeah. saying, "Listen, help yourself before I'll help you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know what? That's 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 the attitude, man. You're yeah, not yeah. being a jerk. You're saying you got to help yourself before I'm going to hand you, you know, mm-hmm. my social media page. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Just go, just rewind a little bit. We were talking about this before I started recording. We were talking about, and um, you said about confidence about putting your stuff out in the world which is is exactly the same as, as a musician as well so mm-hmm. i you know i i'm putting stuff well i i'm putting stuff onto instagram and people are like liking it or commenting on it which is which is fine and i think it's it's it is really really difficult to 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 do and really really you do need to grow a bit of a hard skin on that i think don't you do you yeah you were, you were talking about your you've got a musical background as well weren't you you were talking really interestingly about uh, the difference of, about performing and playing something for the first time and your experience the thoughts of that can you just rewind and just sort of to go through that again because that was really interesting what you were saying before we recorded yeah. so so it, it, I was talking about, um, you know, how there's a line you kind of cross That's as it, a yes. musician. Yeah. And this, this analogy can be used for any creative endeavor that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So there, there's kind of these stages you go through. The first stage is the idea, right? And then the first thought of that idea is everyone's going to like it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's usually very optimistic, like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make a bunch of money and everyone's going to like it. And then you start doing it and realizing like, ooh, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's actually going to happen. <laughs> Um, but when it comes to like, so I'll use my music, my musician background as this. So I started when I was younger, you know, 12, 13, uh, started playing around in a program called reason, uh, maybe a propeller head, you know, it's my favorite, uh, DW to work in. I love it. I still use it today. Um, I started playing around with that a lot and, you know, I would think that I made something really, really good. And then I would go listen to a normal song and be like, (laughs) I suck. Uh, you know, uh, so, so what started happening is then you go, then you start showing people stuff. Um, and then you gain this tiny bit of confidence. And because what happens is that um, you are putting out your soul, your creativity, your vision, and you're becoming so vulnerable. You are literally showing the world a view into you. Yeah. You don't show a lot of people what your mm-hmm. inner thoughts are thinking, what your creativity is thinking. You know, you could write a love song and a lot of things you're gonna think that's so sappy. You know, people are gonna think it's so cheesy. And then you put it, but what you're really doing is you are, you are explaining how you feel about love, how you feel about that situation, right? So I think what people get so self-conscious about is that they're really worried that other people aren't going to resonate with that feeling, you know, or how you're feeling. Um, and then if you think about the fact that there's like seven, eight billion people in the world, chances are there's a few people out there that are, you're going to resonate with. You have to find them though. You know, you might have to go out there and find them. Um, so I think that there's this great this great confidence you get from finally showing people what it is, but obviously you get a lot of anxiety from that. You know, you get so much anxiety. And I remember when I first started showing people the stuff and, you know, I was like, Oh my God, everyone's going to hate me. Um, and then I think that when you gain a little bit of confidence in there, then you go to your first performance. And this is where you got to break out of your cell as a musician. Um, because you go from being sitting in your basement, producing music, you know, recording your guitar, writing songs, whatever it is just for you, you know, and you might get that, that feeling, you know, at the end of it, be like, Oh my God, that was so good. You know, but that doesn't matter. Cause you're going to go and you're going to go stand in front of a hundred people, 50 people, 10 people, doesn't matter. And you are going to feel the most nervous than you've ever felt in your entire life. And then it comes down to what are you nervous about? Are you nervous about screwing up? Or are you nervous about those people liking what you're going to play? And I almost guarantee you, you're more nervous about them liking what mm-hmm. you're going to play for them than you are about screwing up. Yes. Sure, there's going to be a bit of nervousness from that. And I think that once you perform for that first time and you see people's reactions to it, now, it doesn't always have to be a good reaction. I have played shows and I, you know, I got to a pretty good point where I was playing for a lot of people. I have played shows where not one person was on the dance floor mm-hmm. because I was playing the wrong music for the wrong crowd, mm-hmm. you know, and that can be incredibly demotivating to you to to have that and i think that a lot of it comes from just keep doing it just keep going and once you cross that line where you're now in the public and the public now can get to see into your soul get to see into your creativity keep doing it because that nervousness that social anxiety starts to get eliminated because every time that you do it every time that you go on twitter every time you go on instagram and you show something that you created you're going to find maybe one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe a couple more people that resonate with Mm -hmm. you. You don't need a thousand people. You need just those few people that you change their lives just a little bit with your, with your art form, whether it be your music, I could put your music on and you just put me in a happy mood. 
you know, or maybe I put your music on and you helped me through a sad time in my mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. If you, if you go with that, that idea in your mind that your art form isn't just a, a thing that's out there. It is an emotionally motivating tool that you're giving people. And you go in with that mindset that why, why am I doing this? Not just for mm -hmm. myself, but for other people. Mm -hmm. And what can I do for the people with my art form? Yeah. And I think that you start to create this mentality as you go. And I think that you, you push that line from being an introverted producer to a, a more extroverted producer, more to a, I'm okay with you liking or not liking my or stuff. Or not liking. Yes, it's exactly. Not, yeah, yeah. It's not about, it's not about that anymore. I'm yeah. not nervous whether you like it or not. I just want to show the world what I have to offer and you're either going to like it or not. And when you get to that switch, you get to that, it's mm -hmm. life-changing yes. because you're no longer nervous about your art. Yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it takes, it takes a long time to get there. But when you actually do get to that point of, of well, it's not that you don't, not that you don't care, I don't think, because, but, but I think you, you gain an inner confidence about what you're doing that, uh, that, that you know, you intrinsically know that what you're doing is okay, it's good, it's authentic. And actually, you know, I know some people are going to like it. I know some people are not going to like it. And actually, I don't actually really mind too much about that. Mm -hmm. you know? And that, that is a really powerful place to get into. I've done a lot of um, like production music for TV shows and things like that. So, and I often get like notes back from um, music libraries saying they want things changing. And, that, and actually, you just need to think, well, actually, it's not that there's nothing wrong with the music. It's just that they just prefer a particular yeah. sound or, you know, it just doesn't quite fit the use that they want. It's not a personal thing about me as a person or my feeling or my emotional input into the music. Most of the time, yeah. it's just like a little technical twiddle. You know, it's just a very different thing. I think um, something you gain, I think something you gain from this, you know, from this uh, performing and putting yourself out there, yeah. is you start to gain the experience, the wisdom, the maturity mm. to take those constructive criticism or yeah, yeah, negative yeah. comments or whatever, yeah. and it's turning into a learning experience, Yes, absolutely. especially when it's a job, because yeah. you've got to remember the person you're submitting the, the music to also has a job. Mm -hmm. Their job is to make sure your music fits the feeling and emotion of what you're yep. putting it into. Yeah, yeah, if it yeah. doesn't, well, your job is to take those notes and make it fit. Yeah. Um, I actually have a, a great tiny little story about this. We are, like I said, preparing a big trailer. We spent a lot of time making this. It is, it's going to be, I'm really proud of it. And I think it's going to be a really cool experience. The problem we've had is finding the right music for mm -hmm. it. And I will say this, and I will say this to the world. Composers are the most supportive people that I have encountered in the indie dev community. I have had more composers. And I'm, when I say more, I mean like we're talking probably at least in the 20s of composers reaching out and asking yeah. if they can do music for free for me. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because they're resonating with what I'm doing. Yes. So I started to accept some of these offers. And I said, okay, we have this trailer and we're looking for the right feel for it. So I had a, a pretty, I don't want to name names, but I had a, you know, a pretty prevalent composer take a shot at it. And we were, were very picky about the music for the trailer because my number one mission statement in, in my studio is everything must invoke emotion. Mm -hmm. Everything you do has to invoke some kind of feeling. Yeah. And I find that music is one, if not the most important part to that. And again, go watch a scene, a sad scene, an exciting scene without the music on. You will not feel the same way you do about that in any way, shape, or form. I feel the emotional depth uh, that comes from audio in any single medium that is in is underestimated, except for the people, um, or under, understated, other than the people that make it or appreciate it, other musicians, other composers, right? Um, so we had a trailer, and I had a pretty good composer who's actually done a lot of good stuff take crack at it, and I hated it. I hated it. And, and I say this not that I hated the song. Mm -hmm. the the music was great the composition yeah. was great the yeah. mix down was great it had nothing to do with the trailer right the, okay. all of the all of the the sections were, were wrong like we right. wanted to invoke sadness here it's exciting you know exciting battle music during right the, okay you, know, yeah, you, yeah. you made one track without watching the trailer is what it felt like right mm -hmm. then i had another composer uh her name is alicia and she is amazing she took she actually came to me and says is there anything i could do for you i love your cause i love your i love what you're doing with the animals it's just the second i saw your your trailer i just knew i wanted to be a part of it mm -hmm. anything i can do for you obviously it's free you know whatever we can do and i said you know what here's a trailer i've and i, I went to her instagram page. i listened to all of her stuff yep. i thought she gets it she's like i, I just want to say that you know um i want you to know that i really want to invoke emotion with this song and i and it blew my mind that she said that because i'm like that right. is literally our mission <laughs> what you wanted yeah like so my brother um his name's mark he's my level designer he does most of my level design and he did most of the trailer for me 
Um, so his opinion means more than mine for these things, right? Yeah. And as soon as I showed him that first song, he was like, no, absolutely not. It almost, it almost irritated him that it was so bad because, right. again, he's just saying the song is good but it does not fit the trailer in any way, shape or form. Um, And the second, like within 10 seconds of hearing Alicia's, it was like, Oh my God, she she just nailed every emotion we were going for. This is why this is one of the ones I want to show off, but I want to wait, you know, to just kind of with the trailer or whatever. Um, I was so impressed. People like, again, she resonated, you know, that resonation of, you know, of our, you know, of our mindsets of the way we think just that why that cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, resonated with each other. And yeah. that's, you know, what I want to, I want to tell people out there when it comes to when you're trying to break out from being that, that basement producer or being that basement dev, you know, you haven't gone on. I kick myself in the butt every single day that I didn't start posting on Twitter and Instagram months ago, you know, when I started doing it, because who knows where I would be at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to tell everybody out there, just do it. Just, you know, there's that famous like Shia LaBeouf uh, meme, you know, just do it, you know, that thing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Literally, just do it. You know, whether, whether you know what you're doing or not, you won't know until you do it. Mm-hmm. Do it. Mm. Because you are going to find people that resonate with you out in the world. There are eight, you, I don't people realize how much a billion is. <laughs> a million is a lot of people. <laughs> I don't think people. people actually conceptualize yeah, yeah. how big a just one billion is yeah, let yeah. alone eight. Yeah, yeah. It's massive. You will. The law of averages will work in your favor and you will find people that resonate with you. Mm-hmm. Go out, find those people. You will never find them until you put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just go and do it. Whether it be you want to make a game, go do it. What's stopping you? You. Mm-hmm. You, are, you are your biggest gatekeeper. It doesn't matter if you have a crappy computer. It doesn't matter what. Watch YouTube videos. Start yeah, yeah. learning. You know? Start it- learning. Yeah. Is it fear of failure? Fear? I don't know what it is. There's a lot of people, you can always make an excuse. Yeah, your computer's not good enough. I don't have time now. The kids are like always around. Yeah, but you're right. You just absolutely just have to just go for it sometimes, don't you? And just like, It, cu- you it know. comes down to you, you and your motivation and your hard work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, you've yeah. got two hours to sit down and watch TV, you've got two hours to learn. Mm-hmm. It's all yeah, up to yeah. you. And that's how I look at it. It's all up to you. You either want to yeah. be lazy after work and sit around and do nothing, mm-hmm. or you want to change your life. Yeah. Amazing advice. I'm going to it's all Gary V, man. It's all just on his car. Oh, there you are. I was thinking you're like you're the original guru. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, yeah, Gary V learned from me. <laughs> um, just going back to you, I'm going to ask you one direct question. Then we're going to do the magic cards, if that's okay with you. Yeah, of course. So what, what, can, um, what can composers do? You sort of answered it in a way to a certain extent, but what can, comp- what can composers do to help out people like you more what can we do more of to be more useful to you i will say this um the one thing i noticed about composers um and again nothing bad i'm a musician myself i get this you want to jump in really quickly yeah um so i have this a younger composer uh, that works for me his name's I, I always call him cardigan he is awesome like i'm talking protege level mm-hmm. music um i've used his uh one of his songs for one of my trailers um, I remember when he first started showing me music, I actually learned it, uh, met him from a, uh, unreal game development discord okay. actually. All right. And we just started chatting and, and stuff and he got into music and I'm talking like, I've been doing this for, you know, 15 years, 20 years now making music. And at first I was like, Oh yeah, I can tell he's an amateur within about two weeks. I was <laughs> like, you need to stop. Okay. <laughs> you just need to stop. Cause you're getting way better than me. Right. So he started actually making stuff that I was like, I could actually put that in a game and put that in my trailers. Um, but then what he, that's why I said, you know, would, I'm going to, you know, tell you just straight up, um, you know, I would like to do work with you, but I, I, there's no way I can just agree to pay you anything or fund you anything. Cause I don't even have funding yet for my game. You know, I'm not getting paid to make my game. So when I do get funding, you know, I want to offer you the position of, of working on me and doing some composing with me um, on a, on a freelance, on a contract basis. Um, but up until then, if, you know, if you ever feel like you want to make anything, I'll be more than happy to use it. You'll keep the rights for the music. You know, if I ever want yes. to you know, take the yeah. rights for the music, I'll buy them from you. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll purchase the rights of, of yeah. the music from you because again, I'm an artist. I don't believe people should work for free unless there's an understanding behind that. Yes, like yeah, you're going to yeah. volunteer your time now in hopes and in optimism that you're going to yeah. um, do that. So, he did this as a green light to just fire music at me. I mean, like every day we're talking two or three <laughs> different tracks, right? Okay, yeah. And so then he started naturally, you know, he's a younger guy. I think he's like 17 or something. Naturally started getting worried that all of his hard work was for naught. You know, like he's not getting paid. Who knows? Because especially with younger generations now, oh God, I'm dating myself. 
there's this instant gratification that I think a lot of people are looking for. They don't yeah. see that it might take a few months or it yeah, might take yeah, a year. Yeah, yeah. They want to see the result right away. Yeah, yeah. And I understand that. I very much understand that. So um, he started just firing him at me. And I didn't have time to go through them all. I didn't have time to give comments on them and all this kind of stuff. And I think it irritated him and it made me feel really, really bad because I felt like I maybe miscommunicated to him a little bit or mm-hmm. said something like, and, and this is the same with every composer now in the sense of, as soon as I say, yeah, sure. It's just like, psh, 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 psh. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Here's music, yeah. here's music, here's music. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is let it be a team involvement. You know, mm-hmm. if you're a composer working for us, and I think that most work like this, I'm a bit different because I've never ran an indie dev team. So I don't really know how to organize my team members. But for me, I'm not in a stage where I'm thinking about sound. I'm not in a stage where I'm thinking about music. So what I would say is coming from a composer level is make sure that you're on at the right stage yeah. of the production. So A, you're not bored and yeah. A, you feel like your, your talents aren't being used. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only say that because I have so much programming to do that I don't know what music I need right now. Yeah, I know yeah. that I need a town theme. I know that I need a forest theme. I know yeah. that I need this. But the last thing I want to think about right now is where am I going to add that music in? Where am I going to put that in? And I think that a lot of that in game development doesn't happen until later stage in development mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I would say to composers and that would really help me um, and probably help a lot of indie devs is broadening it up to not just music, sound design. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So sound effects. Mm-hmm. If you can make us custom sound effects or you have that, I can't just go to a, buy a sound pack from, that's where you're going to make like yeah. that's where you'll make a, a more of a business out of it more money mm-hmm. from it because we're looking for sound effects those are the biggest biggest things that we use during uh prototyping. So you, you would use that actually while you're actually writing while you're actually creating and the music would go yes, on at the end is what because you're now yeah. i got to go find sounds on the internet yeah. i've got to go find and everybody else has access to these sounds yeah they're yeah, not yeah. my own sounds yes yeah. right so for me i would say be a composer yes but Indie devs, we have to be graphic designers, animators, 3D mm-hmm. modelers, programmers, yeah. you know, all those kind of things. So as a composer, if you broaden that, your spectrum of skills to all sound design, you'll be used a lot more, yeah. a lot more. And I can say that because I would love to have somebody say, like, hey, hey, I need three sound, three sword effects. Can you get those to me by the end of the day? Bingo. That that to me is, is more helpful during prototyping and demoing yeah. than being like, because when I'm sending the prototype and demos to publishers, the music means nothing. Mm-hmm. It means okay. zero. They do not care about your music. In right. fact, most of them just say, put a copyrighted sound in there right. just for the emotion, the feeling, just so we know what you're trying to get across. Okay, right? yeah. So the other thing is composing takes a lot of time, a mm-hmm. lot of time. Mm-hmm. Be very careful before you volunteer your services. Mm-hmm. I will say this because if I, if you say to me, Hey, I can make you X amount of tracks. And now I don't look at anybody else or I don't look at anything else. And I, and I'm now depending on you and it's three weeks and I'm waiting still for that one track. There's an issue, yes. right? You're too busy with either paid clients or your life yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, as a composer, you need to um, be able to manage yourself. Um, if you're reaching out to other devs and want us to pay you for your music or pay you for your stuff, because if I'm paying you for, I'm only one indie dev, I can only afford to pay so many people. So I'm not going to want to pay a composer and a sound effect designer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to want to find one guy that can do all of it. Yeah. Right. So make as a composer, if you want to help out devs, make yourself as needed as possible. Make your skill set irreplaceable. That's really good advice. And Be the slow, person and that can do down. everything. Yeah. And, yeah. and slow, slow down. Slow, slow down a bit. Yeah. As musicians, we're eager. We're, we are eager I think, to I think you do sort of get that spring of inspiration and think, okay, I really need to write. I need to write and get this down and get it done. Um, because as you say, it's a time-consuming process. And I think possibly the, maybe there's a bit of panic at the beginning of a project to sort of get it done before time runs out and you get to a deadline or something. Maybe that's yeah. the, the motivation behind it. But I think the... Uh, yeah, you're, what you're saying, sit, sitting down and just soaking, or I don't know, talking to the team, soaking up the, the atmosphere of the game, actually seeing some of the gameplay, surely, which is obviously yeah. going to come to the later stage. So and something then, Cardigan does, I was mentioning, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but um, right. I, a, I didn't mean to interrupt you, I had a quick thought about that. Right. that cardigan, the Cardigan, the guy I was talking about, yeah. um, he now has changed it, because I had talked to him, we had a big talk about, like, I don't, have, I don't want you to get demotivated because I don't have time to go through all this. Mm-hmm. So what he does now is like, hey, I was playing the game, and I was playing in the town 
Mm-hmm. And I thought of this really cool melody uh, okay, yes, yeah. for the town thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might, you know, and then he says, when you got a second, check it out and tell me what you think, right? That is the best thing you can do. Watch the gameplay, watch the trailers, you know, be part of the testing, you know, be as involved as you can, mm-hmm. because then send the dev a message. Hey, I was watching your gameplay and I have this really cool little idea for a melody. Don't send me a three minute yeah, yeah, song. Yeah. Yeah. Send me a 10 second clip of that melody you're thinking. Yeah. And that's what this, this, this cardigan does now is he's like, Hey, I thought it was a really cool theme for the town. Mm-hmm. 20 second clip of it. And I go, Oh, that's the one right there. <laughs> yeah. I don't have time to listen to a three minute track. I got time yeah. to listen to 20 seconds. And then now he knows that I'm happy with that town track. He knows that I'm okay with it. Yeah. So now he'll make that. Yeah, exactly. And it's not he going to waste it. his time because you're going to accept it. And it's exactly. right. Yeah. Right. And so be, be involved, right? Be yeah, yeah, involved. Yeah. That's absolute nuggets of advice there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do, what was I going to say? I was going to pick up on something from that. Let's go on. Let's do, let's finish off. Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. No, it's absolutely fine. You've made my job really easy because you, you, you just, you literally just talked absolutely wonderful stuff. I barely even had to ask you anything. It's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Can you see? Can you see why all my teachers told me that I should be a salesman? <laughs> yes, completely. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. I can't quite see you said yeah. What well, you said you're slightly shy and retiring beneath the veneer of of uh, outgoingness. I can't see. I say, that. I say shy. I say more like a social anxiety wreck. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing a great job. <laughs> okay, let's do two of these. Okay. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to answer. You can just say not answering, that's up to you. Number between one and ten. Let's do eight. Eight. Okay. Uh, oh, what sound or noise do you absolutely love? The sound or noise I love? Mm-hmm. Oh, the sound. Mm, there's a few of them. Oh, the sound of ripping paper. Like, you know, just... <laughs> That's a nice, that's a nice satisfying. Oh, all time favorite sound. It cannot be replaced no matter what. Crackling fire. Oh, you did. Sam Clayton said that a couple of weeks ago. Is that weird? Crack, crackling, crackling fire. Why? So if, yeah, why? Uh, it's going to sound really weird. Um, I have a, um, a weird, weird, weird nostalgia to this comfort of sitting in a cozy cabin, yeah. log cabin, mm-hmm. snows outside. The only light is coming from the fire. Nice yeah. orange glow. Yeah. I have no idea where this comes from because I've never really been in that scenario. It's, but for some pre- reason, prehistoric prehistory gene. Yeah, it's like man and a, fire, I, and you know. <laughs> but just that's that scene in my head. Yeah. You know, I have a, a a weird nostalgic connection to it, and have no idea why. Mm. So in Hero Tales, actually, the title screen is a cabin scene with a fire, oh, awesome. and it's just ASMR with the fire crackling. That's oh, all it is. Fantastic. Because in my mind, I was like, that's so cool. You know, the orange glow and everything like that. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, Crackling fire cannot be replaced. Probably the best sound in the world. I, I would, I would go. I don't know. That's my favorite one. I can totally relate to what you're saying. I would add one thing too. It would be a crackling fire, dog, dog at your lap, which we talked about earlier on, and also a really, really nice whiskey. Oh yeah, you scotch, scotch <laughs> yeah. drinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh good, good, yeah. good, 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 good. <laughs> beer. I, I, I'm a beer drinker. Beer and scotch, definitely. One more, one more number between one and ten, not including eight. Okay. Oh, yeah, I got to pick a number. Uh, four. Four. Uh, okay, last question. Do you have a favorite game soundtrack or what are you listening to at the moment? A favorite game soundtrack? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I will say this. It's going to sound really, really uh, normal and simple. <laughs> um, I absolutely love the Final Fantasy VII soundtrack. Okay. Um, I often on Spotify, they've got a lo-fi, uh, an official Final Fantasy yeah, yeah, yeah. lo-fi yeah. Uh, channel. So, you know, like everybody listens to that lo-fi beats and chill yes. or whatever on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me, it's the, it's the Final Fantasy VII lo-fi Excellent. soundtrack. Um, I find that um, the emotional that um, Nobu went for in mm-hmm. that, like the, the emotional, for each scene, the music is right. Okay, like yeah. it doesn't feel like that's that music doesn't fit that scene or the sound it just it feels right yeah. for that yeah. you know the one wing angel theme like the sephiroth theme dun, 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 mm-hmm. dun, like that to me is it still gives me Perfect. chills to think about yeah. it you know at the final the final boss he comes down and just like it's just to me it invokes emotion mm-hmm. and good music invokes emotion yeah, yeah, absolutely. um and and again, because one of my favorite games, uh, it's, it's, you know, a game I got when I was young, whatever, 9, 10, 11, whatever it was, uh, you know, got a PlayStation for Christmas, got, got Final Fantasy VII, and there's a lot of nostalgic connection to it for me, right? So there's a lot of comfort in that soundtrack, you know, yes. it's very comforting to me to listen to. Yeah. Um, 
So I would say probably that when it comes to maybe more exciting. I want to go cinematic on this one because I have a very, my, one of my favorite game series is Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, the cinematic, uh, the cinematic composing in that is yeah. top notch. Like we're talking, you know, some of those boss themes, the way they use the chorus vocals yeah. on that, like just you feel it in your stomach. It, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. it just, yeah. it makes you, it makes you like, and like I was saying before, audio to me, and you know, we, I think we talked about audio to me is one of, if not the most important part of your game. It is the immersing factor. Mm-hmm. It's one of your senses, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Seeing, yeah. smelling, you can't smell the game. So you got to replace that with everything else. You yeah. can't really touch the game. You're using mm-hmm. your keyboard. And so you, you're seeing and you're hearing have to be the most prevalent yeah. in your game, right? So the audio for that. So yeah, uh, Final Fantasy Seven, Dark Souls, probably my favorite soundtracks for different reasons, but I think that they're epic. Um, and, and we want to talk about um, special honorary mention, uh, Mega Man 2. Oh, okay. The Willie scene. I love that. You, you love that. <laughs> I love, I love chip tunes and me. Like I love chip tunes. I have a whole playlist on Spotify of just chip tunes. Do you, I have a bit of a funny thing with chip music for some reason. I think, I think it's cause I don't, I don't have a historical sort of nostalgic. Ah, uh, yeah. So that nostalgic for me, that. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, so chip tune stuff just doesn't really, it's quite fun to write, but I don't have, I don't have the big nostalgia thing about it, which I think a lot of people just like, oh, it's, it's amazing. It's just like instantly transports you back to it. <laughs> I, I don't have okay. that because I didn't do that. Okay, Andrew, Andrew, it's my, it's my turn. This is my podcast now. All right, um, go. Let's swap roles. Go on. Two rapid question fires for you then. Yeah. Number one, uh, your favorite game soundtrack? Uh, I'd have to say Journey. So you're Oh, yeah. Me. Yeah, that's a good so, one. Yeah, uh, yeah I've, I, I, that, that, was my, that was actually my first foray into games. And that, 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 the end of that game, I've said this on the podcast before, utterly and completely blew my mind. Yeah, it's I only realised. Well, like you said, you said a, a few minutes ago about the whole thing about uh, music and emotion and art and visuals and everything just coming together. It, the end of the last sort of half an hour of journey for me was like it was like looking at a massive Monet painting. It was like a symphony. It was just absolutely yeah. mind blowing, and that that was a turning point for me that made me realise that I actually needed to write music for games. So yeah, that's my anything. I, so that, I actually that didn't answer my second question, which was why are you now into composing for games? So that yeah, well that that's the big that's the big thing. And also, I think I I've always really had a thing about needing and wanting to write music for a purpose. I've I've never been very good or had the motivation to write music just for the sake of writing music, or just for like writing it and then it just sitting on a hard drive or on paper or something. Um, so I write a lot of music for like TV and library stuff and it gets used. It's for a purpose. It's often to a brief and I find that very motivating. Yeah. And I think, I think the whole thing about working with the team as a musician and just having that, I don't know, it's just, it's just the ultimate sort of purpose for music. It just, it, as you say, it's almost the icing on a very big and, you know, colorful cake. Mm-hmm. Something that that's just has so much sort of meaning, I think in that way, it's just, it's, it's the ultimate way of using music. I think in many ways for me anyway, yeah, no, that's, that's true. You know, you're, you're again, explain the why behind the what, you know, and that's, is so important. Okay. One last question. What do you, what's your, what do you listen to? What do I listen to? Everything. What kind of music do you listen to? Like your daily, what's your, uh, your favorites? Oh God, I, I'm pretty eclectic in my musical taste. So I, what do I listen to today? I listened to some Renaissance counterpoint today. So yeah. that, that very old vocal music. I, I listened to some weird crap. Okay. Yeah, like, oh, I listened to some like, really I, weird crap. I, I, like, I say what I like because of what I want the public to hear, but there's some yeah, weird yeah, yeah. indie stuff that I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, my, my, my early history was as an orchestral tuba player. So I'm a big Brook, oh, I'm yeah. a big uh, Anton Bruckner and Mahler fan. So big symphonic stuff like that. I love. Yeah, uh, I love I love really dirty sort of um, uh, dark synth music, uh, sort of cyberpunk stuff. I've written some of that quite recently. Just love that whole sort of retro '80s sort of uh, the synth kind of like synth wavy kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, and you know it's really funny. You know what I noticed a shift when Stranger Things came out. Yes, yeah, so that's it was. Yeah, when yeah. Stranger Things came out and they did all those synth wave. I know, yeah, <laughs> no one was really doing them. I mean, like, yeah, like sci-fi stuff weren't really doing them. Now everybody does them. Yeah, Even if it doesn't yeah, yeah. fit, you're, you're doing a, a medieval thing and a synth wave in there. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> is this a song in there? 
<laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> so much fun to write, though. So much fun to write. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I listen to all sorts of stuff. So I, my, as I say, my background is as an orchestral player, and I'm a sort of classically trained, I suppose. And, uh, and I sing, I sing, I did a lot of choral singing, sort of. So that's my sort of staple. But I will listen to all and everything. The only thing I just, I cannot bear modern jazz. That's about the only thing I just don't get along with. Um, I love folk music. Uh, I, I love, don't, I'm not big on any kind of freeform jazz because I feel like it's just a bunch of mistakes they're trying to make up for, but that's I, just me. You I know. know? I, I hit the wrong key and it's, it's completely out of key, it's, but whatever, who cares? That's yeah, jazz. I do struggle. <laughs> I like I like jazz jazz. I you know, I wouldn't necessarily search it out, but I do like jazz, but like the modern I, I there's probably a better term for it, but like the modern sort of blinky plonky jazz I struggle with, I have to say. Yeah, that's, that's a really nice euphemism for for just saying that new jazz is bad, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to go that far. <laughs> it might might put off one of my fourteen listeners. You know, I might drop down. To... <laughs> You've been absolutely awesome. Thank you so much, Evan. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Where can where can people find you online if they want to check out what you're doing? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just Five Pig Games on Twitter, Instagram, um, fivepiggames.com if you guys want to check out um, how you can help us change the world. Yep. Um, again, they got the supporter bundles on there. Uh, we donate 25% to animal rescues and shelters all around the world. Um, there's also a lot of really good benefits in those. Like you get a lifetime 10% discount coupon for there mm -hmm. for every single game release, uh, DLC, merchandise, everything. It's lifetime. There's no terms and conditions. You just get Excellent. that um the higher ones you're able to will make an npc for you so you'll get to name an npc design it those kinds of things yep. um so lots of benefits to it so you find us, um i'm mainly on twitter and instagram for the most part you'll find me on twitter it's where it's really easy to communicate with me if you want to get into a good conversation mm -hmm. um maybe tell me off about my opinion on new jazz all good <laughs> um so yeah but andrew this has been fantastic i'm it was so much fun chatting That's with you yeah, it's been a complete pleasure thank you very much indeed so i'm going to sign off thank you yeah thank you so much andrew take care okay bye-bye